On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Today we're going to be celebrating child dedications. I'm excited about that. But before we do, I thought it would be a good time to remind everybody why we do what we do with next-gen ministries around here. Why, why, are we, why, why do we think they're so, so important? Specifically, I want to share the motivation behind our family strategy. We, we, are, we are doing things on purpose. You ever, you ever find someone come into your life and they go, wow, that's awesome. You're like, that, that happened on accident, right? This, this, thing, this wonderful thing in my life happened on accident. But there are occasions where somebody goes, that, it makes me feel this way. Oh, that's what we were trying to do. Maybe somebody comes into your home and they go, I, I just feel so at home here. And you're like, oh, that's what we were trying to do, right? Well, that's what we're doing with Next Gen Ministries because we believe there has never been a more important time to engage families than right now. I've, I've, uh, again, I've been in full-time ministry 35 years now, and I have never seen the family under attack as it has been in in this recent season. Listen, the family has always been under attack. Marriage has always been under attack, absolutely. I, I just think somehow... The enemy is ramping up his, his uh, attack against us. So specifically, I'm wanting to share that with you this morning because the church's goal, our church's goal, and the overall church's goal is spiritual formation. We're trying to create more committed and more devoted followers of Jesus than we are, right? I'm like, I need some work. I just, I want, I want them to do it better than I did it. I fail in these areas. How can I equip them and empower them to do better? And it starts with a scripture. All of this starts with a scripture from Moses. In the book of Deuteronomy, if you got your Bibles, you can open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, maybe me, some of you may have heard of this, this verse before. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says this. Listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And we got to love the Lord our God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and we got to commit ourselves, listen to this, wholeheartedly to the commands that are being given in all of these verses, right? He says this, he says, repeat them again and again and again and again and again to our kids. This is what he said, repeat them to our kids, right? We got to talk about them when we're at home, when we're running around town, when we're going to bed at night, when we're getting out of bed in the morning. He says, you got to tie them to your hands and to your foreheads. And that, I, I love the scripture around my hand, right? How will they know unless they're told? And who's going to tell them unless they're sent? And I've been sent. So I, I, I read this scripture and I don't just read Romans 10, 14, 15. I read the scripture in my mind because here's what the Bible says, hide the word in your heart. So when it comes time, it starts coming out and... Bible says this, you don't sin against God. When the word is in you, it starts coming out of you. Well, this whole verse, beloved, is what we're doing for our kids and our teens. What we do is toward this goal. That's why we're doing what we're doing. It is, and I want, I want you to hear me say this now, and this might be offensive for some, I don't know, I hope not. This is more important than anything else our congregation is doing. 
You may go, well, what about marriage ministries? What about seniors? This is more important than that. What we do with our next generation is more important. And, and here's, here's philosophically why. Catch this picture. Because that cement is still in form. A lot of our cement has hardened. We pretty much are who we are. But they are being formed. They're being created. They're being, there's something being made. And I go, how do we make them more like Jesus? Because I got a whole bunch of hang-ups and hurts and habits that make me not like Jesus. And I, every day I'm having to surrender them again. But because of that, I want you to know, this ain't your grandma's Sunday school. This ain't your mama's Sunday school. In fact, it may not even be your Sunday school if you went to Sunday school when you were, when you were raised in, if you were raised in the church. But see, we're not limiting our time with our kids. We're not just limiting it to crafts and snacks and flannel graphs, right? We got more in mind than that. The world that we're living in requires, listen to me, our dedication to pre-covery. You know how sick I am of recovery? It's like, Wow. And it doesn't have to be official recovery. Oh, they're in a recovery. They're in a, an addiction program. No, I'm, I'm talking about having to make up for the mess that we've created in our lives. And I go, how can we work on pre-covery? So there is no recovery. I believe it happens. This is why it's the most important. It happens with the next generation. When it comes to communicating with our kids, this is what I want to talk about this morning. We're, we're all communicating with kids. Most of us adults assume one of two things, and we all know how to spell assume, don't we? It's in your apps, it's in your apps and your notes this morning. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing we assume. We assume kids think like we do. Notice I didn't have you spell out assume, because we all know how to spell that, right? They, we think kids think like we do, so you know what we do? We use adult vocabulary to talk about adult concepts regarding adult struggles, and kids are like, what? We use adult vocabulary, it's terrible. Here's the second thing we assume. We assume that kids think like we did. Well, sure they do. I remember, I remember when I was their age. I remember what it was like. It's not all that different. Gently, kindly, let me say, that just ain't true. <laughs> please, 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 please pray. And, and, and again, gently, kindly, get a clue. Our kids are growing up in a radically different world than we ever grew up in. The truth is that kids don't process information like we do as adults. That's the first part, right? And secondly, again, they're growing up in a radically different plate. And, and these, these truths, these two truths, impact how the next generation experiences new information. They're taking information in faster than we ever did. This is true for how we help them understand reading math, history, sciences in the classroom, but it's also true how they work with responsibilities and chores, how they process playing sports or games and what it means to win and lose. It's how they experience relationships with families, with friends, with strangers, with authority. Our kids are processing all of this differently. In Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said this. He said, let the little children come to me. Right? Matthew chapter 19, verse 14 says, let them come to me. Don't stop those kids. 
Here's why. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these kids. We've got some things to learn. We believe that two combined influences make a greater impact than just two individual influences. And so we use a curriculum called orange. It's where the light or the yellow, the brightness of the church and the love of the home and the heart of the home are brought together and create this place called orange. It's, we're working together. We're in a partnership together because I believe that that orange is a greater influential impact. And by the way, hey, let me pause for a moment. You're like, I don't have any kids, man. Listen to me. Please, in Jesus' name, listen to me. Beloved, hear me. You can be influential with the neighborhood kid next door, with the kid down the street, with your nephew, with your niece, with your grandchildren. We never stop influencing. Every word that comes out of our mouth is an influence to somebody somewhere. We never stop. So, so I realize that what I'm talking about is our kids, but when I say our kids, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our kids. Whether you have a kid down that hallway or not, these are our children that I'm talking about. Having said that, I am talking to you parents because no one has the potential that you do as parents to influence your kids. I want you to check this out. Look at this. You're going to be shocked at this. Annually, and you can fill this in on your notes, kids spend 3,000 hours at home, 1,000 hours at school, catch this, and 40 hours at church. See, I want you to know, I look at these numbers, and you can go ahead, you can Google them. I pull these right off the internet. I look at several studies. These are the numbers. 3,000 hours at home. Oh, my kids are being influenced by school. A third of the amount that they're being influenced in your home. Oh, my kids, I'm, I'm leaving it to you, church. We only got them for 40 hours. I've only got them 40 hours a year. So let me ask, where are our kids really? Where are our kids really learning about God? Where are our children learning about relationships, values, morals, character, money? These are the things I'm asking myself. Where do our kids learn this stuff? You can fill this in. The greatest legacy that we can leave our kids, greatest legacy is the memory of a home where God's will is obeyed, God's word is loved, and God's day is honored. You know what our children are not learning? Sabbath. Come on, we gotta keep going, we gotta keep going. Empty day on the calendar, fill it with something. We gotta go, 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 go. And our kids go, life is to be stressed out. We're supposed to be running every day, seven days a week. That's what we do. We don't learn to honor God's day. We don't honor God's word. Our children aren't seeing us reading the word. They go, I hear you say you want me to read the Bible. When do you read the Bible? And our kids need a memory where God's will is obeyed. When God tells us to do something, we do it. You know what? Our kids need to experience us going, hey, guys, just a minute. I'll be right back. Where are you going? I have to go fill up this person's car with gas. Wait, what? I know, I know. We just filled our car, but I feel like God's telling me I got to fill that person's tank with gas. Why would you do that? Because I feel like that's what the Lord told me to do. Wait till our children start seeing us doing this. This is what I believe we need to leave with our kids. And as a parent, I want you to know, I, I want to blame the church. As a parent, I want to blame the school. 
As a parent, I would love to blame our culture, but my kids, my kids are a me product. 3,000 hours they spent with me. I'm going to do the influencing, but they're going to do the choosing. They will still choose. They get to choose. That's their choice. And because the home has a majority share of influence and time, I want to, and we want to equip and empower you as parents, as neighbors, as uncles, aunts, grandparents, whatever your relationship is with the next generation, I think we need to teach the next generation, listen to me, how to think, not just what to think. Let me say it again, because that needs to log somewhere, tattoo it on this side of your brain. We need to teach the next generation how to think, not just what to think. Do this, do this, because I... This thinking that I'm asking comes in what we call phases. I don't know if you've seen this. It's on the wall. Just behind this wall, outside the bathrooms, is this big diagram. And it just goes through the life of a child, the life of a kid, the hours that we have with them. How, how many hours? The 3,000 hours, 0 to 1. The 3,000 hours, 1 to 2. Each of those thousands, those thousands of hours that we spend with them. And we say this. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. <laughs> right? I used to do this. Oh man, it's just a phase. I can't wait till they're past this phase. But what we've learned is, man, don't, don't miss these phases. There's some beautiful things happening. So if you haven't seen this, I encourage you to see it. We, we all like to know how we're spending our money. Man, my, my bride, she's got the bank app on her phone. She's boop, boop, boop. And she knows when checks come in. She knows when false charges are done. I mean, she's like, ding, ding, ding. She knows when and how and where our money is going all the time. Anybody else like to know where your money is going? You keep track of it like that, Okay. Well, let me ask, are you keeping track of the phases? Outside uh, on, that, on that wall as well are these cards. And these cards are new baby, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all the way through 12th grade. What are you doing with these 3,000 hours each year? Let me just use one. Here is uh, seventh grade. Seventh graders are in a season of personal discovery. Interests and abilities change. Not everyone makes the team. Long accepted values can come into question. And on top of that, this phase is a time of heightened self-awareness. Man, I, where were these cards when I was raising my kids? Because if I knew this is what I was dealing with, see, most of the time I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> listen, hey, listen. And, and for you teens in the room, I know you, you'd say, there are days where you wake up in the morning and you go, eh? And you take your brain out, you put it on the shelf, and you go off to school. Right? And I'm like, what happened to my child? Oh, man. I went through these cards, and I was like, that's what's going on with them. That's exactly what they're processing. And I went through these cards. I was, so, please, you got, you got loved ones? Go grab these cards. That's why we're out there. They're out there for you. Because I want you to know the phases that they're going through. Don't miss them. I want to know how I'm spending my 3,000 hours. And for me, I'm an empty nester, so my, thousand, my thousands of hours are with my grandkids. My thousands of hours with neighbors' uh, kids in the neighborhood. And again, I think that our family strategy is trying to provide these kinds of resources to help us connect with kids. In fact, one of the things that we can do, you know, is to be that disciple maker right from our house. Don't think, well, I take my kids to church so they can be discipled. No, I get them for 40 hours. You have them for 3,000 hours. 3,000 hours. You're the discipler. You're the primary influence in their lives. 
So how are we going to budget those 3,000 hours? Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, tell your children, tell them all about God, right? He said, repeat it to them after over and over and over again. Keep them, listen to this, direct them onto the right path. He says, and then when they're older, they won't leave it. And listen, I've experienced my kids like, whoa, what path are you on? That's not the path. That was a promise from God. No, this is not a promise. That, that, this is not a promise. What this is talking about, Proverbs 22, is not a promise. Anybody who tells you that is misled. Because, you know, here's the beauty. Way back here, God gave us all free will. We get to choose. What this is saying is, hey, you got to at least tell them the path. This is the path they need to be on. And our prayer is that they don't leave it. We want to help you as parents work smarter and not harder. So we give free subscriptions to a thing called the Parent Queue. I don't know how many of you have it. And if you don't have kids at home, this is still an amazing resource. It's called the Parent Queue. It's a free resource app that we give and helps parents with conversation points. Think of a queue as kind of like being behind the scenes, behind the, 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 the curtain, kind of going, okay, talk about algebra. You know, hey, ask them this question. They're giving us cues to conversations because I can't tell you how many parents give up when the first question was answered, uh-huh. Here's the question. How was your day? Uh-huh. Well, did you have a good day? Uh-huh. How, how are your friends? Good. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't make a noise for the eye roll, but it was there if you couldn't see it. Listen, we need to keep these conversations going. And so this free Parent Q app is just another tool in what I call, I have a tool bucket, some people have toolboxes, but just another tool that I can utilize to start conversations. And I do that now, I do it with my grandkids, I do it with other, just anytime, I'm always asking questions. Because most of the time, listen to me, most of the time people are talking to teens and not listening to teens. And when I ask them questions, it gives them an opportunity to, to talk. By the way, did I mention this app is free? It's free, so you like that, okay. Now, having said all that, I do wanna, I, I wanna say that the parents aren't the only influences in a child's life. There are more influences in a child's life. In fact, studies have found that adolescents who have strong adult, non-family relationships, in other words, other positive adult role models in their lives, engage first in less risky behavior, but have increased levels of overall well-being just because they have other adults in their lives. And I want you to think about these adults, right? Those, those studies, by the way, consistently put that number of healthy adult relationships, five. When that, when that tweener gets to that age and they've got five adults that they can talk to outside of mom and dad, that's over here, five adults. Again, grandparents, uncles, aunts, other non-immediate family people, but think about, think about people like coaches, teachers, counselors, pastors, Sunday school leaders, I don't know, but somebody that they can go and talk to. Kids need five other adults in their lives, guiding them and giving them input, caring about them. Five, who can I go to? Think about five grown-ups who know their hopes, who know their dreams, their quirks, their good points, they can laugh with, they can uh, feel uneasy with. Having five older friends that they can talk to honestly about what's really going on in their lives rather than it was good. 
Sometimes, beloved, I just want you to hear you. I want you to hear me. Sometimes as a parent, I'm just not that person my kids are going to come talk to. I have, a, I have a great ongoing relationship with all four of my children. They're all grown. They're all married. They're all out of the house. They're living in all different parts of the country. I have a great relationship with my four kids. But I'm not the person that they always chose to talk to. And I was always looking for those five people who could offer wisdom when life got confusing. Who, who can my kids go to? Who, can, who will pray for my kids even when they're not talking with my kids? So my question is simple. Who are your five people for your kids? Maybe you're one of the five for somebody else. I don't know. But there's got to be five. Who's gonna, who are they going to text? Who are they going to call when they don't know what to do? Because you know what? Sometimes, again, it's just not going to be us parents. Right now, young adults are doing what's called deconstructing their religion. And some, I'm finding this too, some young adults are untangling their faith. Like, wow, I, I still love Jesus, but what was that about? And they're untangling a lot of the things that they learned from us. Parents, other adults. But there's a whole slew of young adults right now. I'm calling the nuns and duns. <laughs> they want nothing to do with religion, and they are done with religion. And they are deconstructing it. In our universities, on our campuses, they're just going, religion has no place in my life. This is why we lead small. We're meeting in circles with our young people. We're like, hey, let's have conversations. Let's have relationships. Meeting in circles with volunteers who are consistently showing up in a mode of discipleship with our kids. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, one of my favorites. You've heard it from me. You've heard me say these things, right? You've heard me teach these things. They've been confirmed by reliable witnesses, right? 2 Timothy 2.22. Hey, here's what you need to do. You need to teach these truths to people now. You need to teach them to not just regular people. Here's what but Paul says to Timothy. You need to teach them to trustworthy people who are going to pass them on to the next generation. This is what we do. I said it a couple weeks ago. Some things are said at home. They're clarified at church. And some things are said at church and they get clarified at home. And, and there are things that are said at church that are undone before we even get home. Been there, done that, hashtag, right? It's like, I, I have been in that place, right? Where Sunday schools taught my kids one thing, and before we got home, I had completely unraveled it for them. Love is kind. And, and they're going, wow, love is not kind. Anybody want to join me on this parenting train, right? Okay, listen, I, I'm, all I'm saying is that this is the way it works. And so we're trying to partner together. Here's your next blank. Our strategy is a partnership it's the stuff that we're talking about each week. We're trying to reinforce what we want our kids to know about God at every phase of their lives. And so we have volunteers. We have people who are faithfully here with our kids every week. We're using developmental techniques. We're using practical theology to grow their faith. I want to grow their faith. I don't want to grow religion. Religion has a tendency to lean over to duty and it leans over to obligation, whereas faith is something that is growing. Faith is something that is alive. Every kid, you can fill this in, every kid is made in the image of God and has the potential to do amazing things. 
I just want to unlock that potential. I loved being a youth pastor. 17 years I was a youth pastor. I loved it. You know why I loved it? Because they were predictably unpredictable. I knew that I didn't know. And then I got around adults and I'm thinking, really? You're 45 years old. You should have learned that like 30 years ago. When you were 15, you still haven't figured out that pornography destroys your relationships? And I look at adults and I go, wow. I think, wow, wow, wow. And then I got demoted to be a senior pastor, right? But I still get to hang around with kids, so it's, it's all still good. But what I want to do is I want to equip our people. I want to equip us as, as adults. I want to equip us as parents in practical ways to unlock the potential in our kids to live out the great commandment of loving God and loving our neighbors. Listen to this, right here in Santa Clarita, in their schools, in their neighborhoods, in their, in their after-school sports, we're wanting to equip and empower parents in practical ways you to live out the Great Commission. Make disciples right here in Santa Clarita. We don't got to go to the mission field to do that. 3,000 hours we have with our kids. Let's make disciples. And so that's what we're trying to do. Today is a time of child dedication. Now, I, had, I put this reader together. It's, just, it's called Sacred Beginnings. And, and a child dedication is a time of blessing. We're wanting to bless a family. And it's about our dedication of embracing God's higher ways of parenting. There are different ways that God wants to do this. I call this partnership parenting, right? Where as a community, we're all committed to showing up. And again, maybe becoming one of those healthy adult relationships, one of the five, maybe as a, as a congregational volunteer. I, I need you to ask this question. Get it logged in. What am I doing to help with this? No holds barred. There it is. What is your role in helping us raise the next generation? I can't volunteer. Great. Give me money. I, I, I don't want to spend time in the classrooms. Great. Give me time to clean the classrooms, to stock the classrooms. What is my role in raising the next generation? That's a question I want you to ask right now. What am I doing to this? It's not my, listen, if you say not my job, this may not be your congregation. <gasps> Pastor Marty, be careful. People may leave. Well, if they're not helping me raise the next generation, I don't know what they're doing here. Keeping these cushions warm for second service, not interested. We have a job to do. The Bible clearly lays it out to us. Second parenting is stewardship parenting. Knowing that we've only got our kids for a short time. And on this end, I'm on the empty nest end. I'm like, wow, that happened fast. Dang, what just happened to me, right? Just yesterday they were this, and now they're this, and now they're that. How did that just happen? And by the way, I have, I have my own little struggles, right? My kids got married at 18, 19, 20, and 21. They were like, what just happened, right? And I go, well, you don't have to get married so early. They go, you did. Well, that's different. Right? But realizing that our kids belong to the Lord, we're stewards of our children. Anybody on that end of the parenting stick knows we're just stewards and it's a very short time. And so we need to know how do we steward our kids? We're taking care of them until they can take care of themselves. And then the third kind of parenting is discipleship parenting. Showing our kids, listen to me, how they fit into God's story. And through grace and the help of the Holy Spirit, I want, them, I want to help them see 
their story in the ordinary events of life. This is, this is how I fit into God's story. So we do that by keeping the end in mind. <laughs>